0: Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians.
1: Good morning, everyone. Come on inside. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. All right. You know me. I got to hear you and see you. For everyone, my name's Sean. For those guys that are online, welcome. Good morning. But uh, I always come up here always different. Sometimes I have a leg. Sometimes I don't. This week, I don't. <laughs> But uh, that doesn't stop me from worshiping God. So I really um, just appreciate you guys and uh, that I can be here today, this morning and be with you um, as I recover through some things and uh, worship with you today. So uh, just join us in worship. It's kind of a more intimate setting. I got the, the Wilsons here with me. It's kind of like a family band. I'm, I'm I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> Take that whichever way you like. <laughs> but uh, we're going to have a good time today. And uh, we're just going to worship God and, and uh, just have a good time. And so these songs you do know. So if you know the song, sing it out. I want to hear you singing. Um, if you don't and, and it's new to you, just, just sit back and listen. And once once you catch on... Please uh, join us in worship today.
0: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like Is ransom. ran Will be for mine one more time. You are for
1: my Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You guys are doing good. Doing good. This next song to you sang this Yes, Lord. Thank you, church. That was beautiful. having our time of worship together with a a pretty good song, upbeat song. I like the song. I know you guys know this song too. This song here, I'm going to need a lot of help from you guys at the end. I'll tell you what we're going to do, okay? You can sing the whole song. (laughs) You want to stand for us, please? If you can, if you can.
0: I waited patiently
1: Right, this next part I'm gonna need your help with. Okay. Now what I go, oh oh oh, oh yeah, you repeat it.
0: Let's try it again. Oh 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 oh
2: yeah.
0: Right. Love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Oh 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 yeah. I got love. in the holy spirit oh, oh, oh yeah come on now oh, yeah. i got love joy peace and righteousness in the holy spirit oh, oh, oh yeah come on now oh, oh, yeah. i got love joy peace and righteousness in holy Turn me around. And he placed my feet on the solid ground. Hallelujah. Let's hear it, church. Hallelujah. Let's sing that again. Pick me up. And turn me around. And he placed my feet on the solid ground. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and sing that again. Pick me up and turn me around. Me my feet on the solid One more time. Come on. You've been so good to me. Yes, Lord. You guys did a good job. That was
1: good. Thank you.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wasn't worship awesome? It just was so good. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. I can hardly believe it's Labor Day weekend. Does anybody else feel that way? I'm still back at Memorial Day, and it's like, oh my gosh, what happened to the summer? But here we are. One of the things... That was an advantage for me, I think, this morning sitting in the front, was I got to hear the water running, and it just so reminded me that, you know, many of us have burdens, or we need healing, or we need compassion or encouragement. Living water is there for us to take. All you need to do is ask Jesus to give you a refreshing drink of his spirit. I would like to pray as we prepare for the offering. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, for the change of seasons, for the change of seasons in all of our lives, and the gift of your spirit that is there to fill us with whatever we need or cry out for. Lord, I ask that everyone today that is in this service or joining us online to just partake of God's living water so that they can be filled to overflowing. I ask, Lord, that you bless everyone today, open their hearts and minds to receive the gift of your spirit, and, Lord, I also ask that you bless the offering. Thank you, Lord, for all. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a couple of announcements to make today. The adult class is still continuing all ways of praying from 1115 to 1230 in the fellowship hall after the service. The moms group will be meeting Wednesday, September 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the conference room. If you have questions, um, we ask that you direct them to Carla. And last is there are a few spots left in the anagram class, which begins Thursday, September twenty second. If you're interested in that, um, you can sign up at the welcome center. And now I'll pass on the mic to Joanne. Thanks, Julie. You have such a lovely
4: presence. You really do. You do. You're all like all put together, kind of. Which is hard to follow. <laughs> That's why I'm working in the I'm working oh, so. <laughs> OK. Well, I'm not here to preach. Aren't you happy? That means you'll get out before noon. Um, but I do they did ask me to do some additional announcements, which means Tony might not get up here till noon. No, 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 no. Uh, Just a couple of things we wanted to highlight this morning for you. Um, A new adult class will begin in two weeks on September 18th. Um, You know, we do pray a lot about what we're offering for our adult classes on Sunday mornings. And it just seemed clear to us that, you know, living and leading as Christians, um, it's always challenging, right? When we... use the D word, discipleship, and how we live this out in the world. It's always challenging, and during crisis times like those that we're living in now, that challenge is magnified exponentially. It's heartbreaking, in a way, just to see, as we you look across, and all I know is the American church, so I'm not talking about, you know, other churches in other places, but it's become so easy, especially after COVID, to just step back and say, I still love God and and we do, but we're tired, you know, and things are really challenging. And so there's this stepping back away from what full discipleship really means in Christ. So the thing is, and I think we all know that this is no time for shallow Christianity um, we don't need half-hearted Christians, ever, but especially now. We need to be following Christ in a wholehearted way. So, back to the class. We here at Hosanna want to be life-giving agents of healing and hope and reconciliation in, in our world today, but that means that we first must become confident, committed Christians in community together, in love, who are able to offer the transformational um, life, you know, that we enjoy out into the greater community of the world um, because they're needing what we have, right? So our next adult class, um, as I said, will begin after the service at 1115 on September 18th. And we're going to, uh, just all of us are going to engage God's invitation, You know, to grow in our own maturity spiritually so that we can offer what we have in Christ, you know, down to the depths of us. It bubbles up. And then we can offer that living water that Julie was talking about um, that we have down in front here. We can offer that to others. Uh, We're going to use as a foundation for this class Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. We're going to work through that book, which I have to say, he's done a really good job. We're going to work through that, and so we invite you to join us. Um, You can join us in person or online. Just call the church office or at some point go to the website. I'm not sure, Jeff, if that's up there yet, but uh, you could also at some point go to the website and sign up, all right? Um, Also, second, stay tuned for other opportunities coming this fall. We're starting to come back in a fuller way from COVID and what that had done here as far as shutting down and limiting what we could do. We're gonna be picking up on some conversations that we had been having over two years ago before lockdown and before COVID hit. Um, So stay tuned for opportunities for conversations to come. And other opportunities this fall, as Julie said, the uh, Narrative Enneagram group is beginning, and you can sign up for that with those two openings that are left. We're going to also be offering, uh, starting again, some things that we had years ago. So um, a Christian dream work group, if you are a dreamer who remembers your dreams and you would like to get in and see what God offers us in our dreams, Um, You'll be able to sign up for that class. Actually, it's a group um, discussion. And also, what was the other thing? Oh, we're going to start up group spiritual direction. We'll give you more details about that. But group spiritual direction is, you know, we talk here a lot about one-on-one spiritual direction, where you go to talk to someone who's trained to listen for the movements of God in your life, one-on-one. There's also a way to do spiritual direction in groups. We have p- 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 over a dozen spiritual directors in this congregation. So we're going to start up some groups and let those directors just lead people through, um, as a group, what spiritual direction is. And so you'll be hearing more. All to say, watch for more to come, um, bulletin online. Listen, there'll be more information coming in announcements as well. And yay, last one. <sighs> See why they don't let me do this very often? Okay. One last annou- announcement. Do you remember Arvid Peterson? He was here last year. He comes here. He's, he'll be here again this year. Yes. Uh, so mark your calendars. September 25th, that Sunday morning. Um, Arvid will be here. And Tony has been working behind the scenes with him, to and some other church leaders in the Myerstown area. So he'll be here this, uh, that morning for our church service. Then that evening at 7 p.m. in Town, several churches and ministries are going to get together for a community worship event. Um, I know I'll be there. Um, and if you would like to join us, again, more information to come. Anything else? that I miss anything? No. Okay. All right, Tony's back from sabbatical. Yay, so we want to welcome him back, and he's going to come now and share with us something of what he experienced. Phew, glad that's over. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks,
5: Joanne. Arvid Pedersen, for those of you who are not recognizing that name, is a Norwegian christian singer and worship leader who we just love we've had him for like 10 years every couple years or so he comes wandering back in but uh, anyway oh hey tony yeah hang on what do you interrupt me for jack it's 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 been a while (laughs) so figured you might oh might need a little more (laughs) <laughs> a little something more to drink. Uh, uh, so, more drink. Unfortunately, as much as I love my big mug, I, I'm full this morning. I've been, I've been drinking up, so uh, I think I'll... Decum- but I wonder if anybody else here might, might want to fill up. I, I, I actually, for some reason, in my pocket, I have some extra straws. Uh, <laughs> anybody? <laughs> we'll pass it around the auditorium, and you can load up on... Uh, <laughs> now, I don't often turn down the opportunity to have some, some, some diet. Well, it's Coke Zero today. I don't often turn down the opportunity to have my, my, my soda here. Um, and I probably do have room for some if I wanted. But one of the disadvantages of sitting in front of this fountain <laughs> is this might be a short sermon while I have to run to the restroom here before we get done. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you find yourself saying something like that? I'm full. No more capacity here. I gotta, I gotta push back from the table. I gotta loosen my belt. <laughs> I gotta avoid getting on the scales for a while because I don't know, I don't like what they're gonna say. We talk a lot about being filled, about being filled up, don't we? We go to the gas station and we fill up our gas tanks with fuel which doesn't make us weep maybe quite as hard as it did earlier this summer, but, but nonetheless, that's, that's, uh, that's daunting. If our schedule is packed, we might say, my plate is full. I'm not sure how our schedule became synonymous with a plate, but we, we do that sometimes. We might go to the dentist to get a filling in a holy tooth. Ah, nice thing to have in church, holy teeth. What kind of filling would you like? We go to the grocery store, we fill our shopping bags, and then we put the bags in our shopping carts, and then we take them home and put them on our shelves. If we're lucky enough to be able to afford to fill up like that. If we're sad, we might say that our eyes are filled with tears. And if we're really irritated, and none of you have probably ever been this this irritated or said anything like like, like this, you might tell someone that you're full up to here with what what they're crap. Or maybe a stronger word. <laughs> I've been thinking about this phrase being filled up a lot in recent weeks because, well, I feel full. Build up. And with more than Coke Zero. As you know, I took a combination of vacation and sabbatical in July and August, and thank you all for allowing that to be so filling. <laughs> I want to say thanks to everybody, Joanne, Deb, Jeff, Rick Lastic, everyone who had more work to do because I wasn't here to do it. I realized that my taking time off caused uh, some, uh, some additional inconvenience for some other people. I knew I needed some time. We had given sabbaticals to all of our senior leaders and some smaller breaks to the rest of staff. But I knew I needed it, but I didn't know how much I needed it. Until I finally stopped. One of the first things we did was take a week's vacation down in Cape May. It took me all week just to begin the process of relaxing. And God showed up to me every day in the form of Bob Marley. <laughs> there was a Bob Marley song I heard every single day of vacation. Don't worry about a thing. You know, every little thing's going to be all right. And It was funny. I just started laughing after a while. Okay, Tony, you can relax now. It's, it's, it's good to be able to do that. So um, I still had my day job, of course, but uh, the weekends were refreshing, and I even got a couple of vacation weeks from my work at the seminary. Now, those of you who know me on Facebook know that I've spent... About a week and a half at the end of July, roaming the eastern United States all by myself. Uh, This is just something that was kind of fun to do. I have a VW Beetle convertible. And I drove around the country most of the time with the top down, <laughs> soaking in the sun, enjoying the wind, seeing new sights, and things by ear, drove about 4,000 miles, uh, 17 different states, and I visited places. It just seemed interesting. I visited presidential historical sites, and blues music historical sites, and Native American historical sites, and civil rights, historical sites, and civil war, historical sites, and my family's historical sites. I don't know if you see a pattern there or not, <laughs> but it was wonderfully refreshing. One story, and then I, you know, I do have a message for you today, and I'll quit talking about myself here, but um, one day I was driving down Interstate 55 from St. Louis to Memphis. I had intended not to cross the Mississippi, but the best way to get there is on the... western side of the Mississippi. So I was in the left lane, as usual, making good time despite the traffic. And suddenly, driving down the road, and there on the right lane is a sign that says, Johnny Cash Boyhood Home. It took me about 3.2 seconds to get from the left lane into the exit lane, <laughs> off that exit, and then 12 miles out into the middle of rural Arkansas. No other signs, by the way. They, they want you to do the tour, go someplace, and then they take you out on a bus or something. But uh, I found it um, on a lonely dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. No one around. I couldn't get in, but I, I, I spent a few minutes there with Johnny. Uh, absorbed some of this vibes, hopped in my car, and then followed him to Memphis, because that's where he went when he left Arkansas and uh, ended up down in Tennessee. So, uh, this, What else happened? Our family expanded a bit with, when I was out at the birth of our beautiful granddaughter, Blair. Great name, huh? <laughs> our grandson, Elijah, had his birthday, first birthday yesterday. I drove other places. I went into Manhattan one Sunday to see the farm where my family lived 400 years ago. Yes, my family had a farm in Manhattan, and I figured a Sunday was the time to go, so I just hopped in and my car and drove in, found the place. It was awesome. It's no longer a farm.
2: <laughs>
5: it's a pretty large building up there. Anyway, I uh, drove down to Baltimore for a concert up to Hawk Mountain to walk with the birds and the trees back to the church I served 36 years ago when I was just a pup. And all of it was lovely, except well, I went out to Akron, Ohio, where I lost my suitcase. And today I'm back here with you people I love so dearly. And that's one thing I know certain. After I came back, I don't need to be up here. I felt no need to preach. I that was that that felt good. Boy, did I miss you. You're a sight for sore eyes. And I am filled with gratitude and joy. So thank you for being you. Along the way, our good God reminded me that this is the way that life is intended to be for those in relationship with him. Not just an occasional experience when we have a good vacation or sabbatical. It's not just for when life is treating us well. It's not just when big events happen. This is for every ordinary day. So let me ask you a question that I guess I'm confessing my answer to. Do you feel feel, feel filled up as a normal experience? I haven't most of my life, sometimes. I know you, most of you well enough to suspect that some of you do actually feel filled up as, as an ordinary experience. I seen, see in some of you a glimmer in your eye and a steadfastness in your life that suggests you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Most of us probably don't have that experience though. I got ahead of myself. Though <laughs> what I'm feeling now after some time away is familiar enough for me to recognize it and to want it and to trust that it is possible to stay in it. And scripture says we can. We can stay in it. I've been thinking about some of those passages of late, trying to figure out what's going on inside of me. What is this filled experience? So one of the best examples is in the Beatitudes, that awesome beginning of the Sermon on the Mount we preached on occasionally here. Beatitude means, anyone know? Blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And the blessings in that famous list are not just for the future. Someday you will be blessed. But for here and now. Blessed are you. Present tense. Meaning that you and I are already blessed in ways that we don't remember or don't take account of. Don't notice when they're happening to us. And one of those blessings strikes home with a lot of people these days. is the fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. Peace, joy, love, righteousness. You know, we, we sang it here just a little while ago. Now, righteousness might sound like a super spiritual word. You know, one of those words we only use in church and not exactly sure what it means. Maybe it means being, being a good person. But we've got to remember that Jesus is talking to ordinary people like you and me, so he's intentionally using a word that, at least in their language, was deeply meaningful to them, and it didn't mean necessarily what we attach to it. We might try and their, their word, diakal... Dia, yeah, I used to be able to speak Greek. Diakasune, <laughs> into English as justice, or even, I like this one better, the ache that things will get better that the world would be as it should be. It's at, a, at its heart a desire for God's shalom, God's kingdom. And Jesus says that aching and desiring is not wasted at all, that there's a blessing in the very act of wanting it. That to ache for it, to want it, to desire it is a blessing in of itself, or at least God meets us with blessing in the wanting it, And also that we might even experience more of it. More of that shalom here and now than we might ever imagine, even when the rest of the world seems to be going a bit nuts. And it does seem that way these days, doesn't it? When Jesus met a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, he invited her to do what Julia already called her attention to this morning, to drink living water. He compared it to the water from that famous ancient well, which had refreshed the parched mouths of people over thousands of years. Jacob's well was famous. And had been there for, at that point, 1,700 years already. And Jesus says, if you drink this water from the well, you're going to get thirsty again. You're going to get thirsty soon. I've been to Israel. It's hot. (laughs) You have to hydrate all the time. But then he says, whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Isn't that a great image? He's saying that what fills us up ultimately is not outside of us. This will make my throat feel a little more comfortable for a little bit. I usually have one of these on Sunday mornings and know that is not the mark of the beast on the front of the uh, monster uh, coppice. A couple of people have suggested, but this will do fairly well. If I would drink the water out of, that, out of that fountain, that would do for a little while. It's not, it's not it's, it, but eventually I would get thirsty again. It's not what's outside of us. We'll never get enough of something out there to make us feel full, to make us feel satisfied for the long haul. Instead, if we accept his invitation, the fullness is actually inside of us, a spring of water welling up inside of us in our own soul. Now, we need to talk about what that is because he's speaking metaphorically here, but there's something that's not out there. It's in here. In another passage, Apostle Paul compares this experience. He's doing another comparison. Not to water from a well, but to wine from a bottle, which many people look to to satisfy their thirst, to fill them up. And what does he say? Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because then, just as like now, people use wine and other substances to medicate themselves, to fake feeling full when they don't feel it inside, or just to forget for a while how empty they feel. Now, this is one of the controversial passages of the Bible, and I know people have attached a lot of other meanings to this verse, and maybe they're right and maybe I'm wrong. But I don't believe Paul here is getting all legalistic about alcohol, and I don't believe that he's proposing that being filled with the Spirit is some kind of extraordinary event that catches us entirely by surprise. No, oh, suddenly it happens. Or one that we have to beg God for. I think what he's doing is reminding the Ephesian believers and, and us that living filled with the Spirit is a daily, ordinary, extraordinary kind of thing. This is the ordinary Christian life. Be full. Every day, all the time, because it's inside of you, and it's welling up. It's producing water. And if I'm reading that right, man, that's really good news. That's gospel, isn't it? I don't have to go looking for something out there for the filling. It's here. Scripture also tells us what life feels like when we live that And one of the descriptions is actually in the Old Testament, before Pentecost, before they knew what we know about the Holy Spirit, but they still, the psalmist seemed to understand what, what this daily intimacy with God was like. So, for instance, Psalm 23, you know that one, the famous one. The psalmist uses this image of sitting down to feast at the Lord's table of goodness. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. And what does he say? You anoint my head with oil. Now, pouring oil on someone's head is not something most people these days would appreciate a whole lot, okay? So let's, 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 let's not catch people off guard with that. But, but in their time, 3,000 years ago, that was a way of honoring someone. It was a way of blessing someone, particularly when they came to visit you, which is why it was such a big deal when a scandalous woman did it to Jesus because his host had not. And that was accepted, expected kind of hospitality, particularly with an honored guest. She took care of what had not been done. And the psalmist, who's probably David, is saying that God is the one doing that to him. Now, this can be mind blowing here. Have you ever thought of it this way? Have you ever thought of God blessing you so much that he would honor you in the sight of others? The God looks at you that way. The God invites you to the table and, wow, I'm so glad you're here. You're my honored guest. And he pours oil over your head. He anoints your head with oil as a mark of honor and blessing to you. And that God would want to fill you up with his own goodness. Because that's the psalmist's next line. You know the psalm. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And the cup is this image of life. It's why a cup is used in the Passover meal, and the Last Supper, and our own communion celebrations. A cup is what living water is poured into, right? A cup is what we drink from and are refreshed. And notice that the verb, once again, is not past tense or future tense. He's not saying, my cup overflowed way back when, sometime when I had some kind of spiritual experience that hasn't been repeated since. He's saying, no, it overflows, or in the old King James version, which most of us probably actually know better, it runneth over. <laughs> it's a beautiful image. This, the water, the, the, it just keeps getting poured into it. It just keeps overflowing like the image that Jeff found for us for the title slide today. It's still happening. It just keeps overflowing like this fountain here. Isn't this cool? Ah. Uh, I mean, we know, that there's a, we, we know that there's an electric motor in there that's pumping water, but uh, the, the, the appearance of this sound, this is why I asked for it to be up here this morning, is that this water, this particular pot, it just keeps pouring water out. It just keeps coming. It's miraculous. And it pours into this one. And this one can't contain it, maybe because it's on the side. But it keeps pouring. And this one is so full that it just keeps overflowing. It goes down to this one, which gets filled up. And it's just this beautiful experience. We know that the water is being recycled. But in the spiritual life, no, actually, it just keeps coming. And it overflows to others out into the world. And that's what life of God is like. That's gospel, isn't it? How many times, maybe when we were, well, I don't know, how many times have you heard the, other than here, <laughs> I'm trying to find a nice way to say this, have you heard the Christian life described this way? So often, it's a list of rules and obligations, it's a burden, it's a duty, it's, it's something heavy on our shoulders, and Jesus comes along and says, nope, nope, actually, it's living water welling up inside of you and overflowing to everybody else, you have enough, you're full." You're filled. You can be all the time. Well, we're tempted to say that sounds nice and good, but that's not a picture of real life. That doesn't, not my life. It doesn't work that way. Except that, of course, in Jesus, it actually did. Jesus was full. He shows us what fullness looks like, it's in the Bible gospel of john says the word became flesh made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father and then here's the magic phrase full of grace and truth he's filled up with the goodness of the father because he's one with the father and therefore the father's grace and truth flows into and through him and out of him all the time jesus is this fountain in another passage, Jesus is described as being full of the Holy Spirit. So you get all, all the members of the Trinity involved here a little bit. That's where, that's where the fullness comes from. That same spirit that Paul invited the Ephesians and us to be full of. Remember? Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. And this is cool. That description of Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit comes right as Jesus goes into the wilderness to fast for 40 days his stomach becomes empty he is not filled with water and with food in his body his throat becomes parched but even then he's never not full of the grace and truth of the three in one god how do we know that because you can tell by how he deals with the three temptations that he's by the from the evil one that he experiences at the end of that 40 days There is never a time when Jesus is not full, was not full. Well, then we have another objection. That's Jesus. (laughs) Not me. You know, it's like in Sunday school, the kids sometimes learn everything. Well, what's the correct answer to most questions? Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus was special, but that's not me. He was God. I'm not. I don't live like that. Ah, but we can. That's the point of it. That's the gospel that everything Jesus did, that the life Jesus lived, that the fullness Jesus experienced is for all of us as well. And it's not just me saying it. He said it. He offers yet another comparison. There was the water that will make you thirsty again and living water, and there was the wine versus being filled with spirit. This time he gives the comparison of a taker versus a giver. He says the thief just standing in for anything in life that takes away from us. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, to empty us, to take from us the fullness that we would otherwise be enjoying. We'll get to that in a moment. Instead, Jesus said, I have come, what? That they, he's talking about us, that they might have life. And what kind of life? Life. A life of duty and obligation and sacrifice and surrender and burden and duty. Some of those other things are in there, but what is it like? Why does he describe this life? And have it to the full. A full life. Fill it up. Abundant. An even better experience than what the psalmist was talking about because the psalmist didn't know about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And let's not just take Jesus' word for it. John's Gospel, which I had already referenced a couple times here, after noting that Jesus is full of grace and truth, John adds this, his own personal testimony. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace. Jesus is full of grace, and out of that fullness, he's overflowed, and I, who was hanging out with him, have also received grace. And not just me, but the others who were with me, because I've observed it in them too, we have received grace... In place of grace already given. By the way, that, that, was, that, that was John's experience of being with Jesus. Now, the wording is a tad awkward in translation. That's in place of grace already given. What he's pointing to is the overflowing. In other words, as grace fills us and overflows from us to others, more grace follows so that it's just continually coming. See, I used to think that as I gave to you or to others, as I poured out of what was inside of me, that I became empty. And I sometimes fail to realize that there was more grace pouring into me at the very same process. I'm not losing anything at all. When I'm serving in the world, when I'm loving people, when I'm being who God has called me to be, it keeps coming, grace in place of grace already given. Like Jesus, we're continually pouring it out and continually drinking it in. Now, Joanne spoke about this abundance a month ago when she returned from her own sabbatical. So it seems like in our separate times away, the Spirit was reminding both of us that such fullness is at the heart of our gospel. And it's at the heart of our church. And it's at the heart of our lives. And that when, when we don't live out of that fullness offered to us, we will indeed suffer. We'll feel empty. We'll feel desolate. We'll feel tired abandoned, afraid, dry. And I bet you you know at least some of that experience yourself. I do. I didn't realize how much of that was, I was experiencing by the, by the by time June came around this year, I, you know, particularly after two years of pandemic and everything. There was an awful lot going on inside of me, but I just kept working and covering up all that stuff that was bubbling up inside of me until I had a chance to take a rest and be filled up once again with the goodness of God. I didn't realize how much muck was in there. So we know what that's like, but we also know we have a taste at least, you're probably here because of it, a taste at least of what it's like to be filled in the Spirit. And that's why we're reminding you of it, because it's gospel, and because it's absolutely necessary if we're going to live as God intended. My suspicion is that some of us are probably not living today, fill it up with the Spirit. Maybe you're experiencing what I was experiencing a couple months ago. Maybe life circumstances have just drained you of your fullness. Maybe you've been out in the wilderness with the evil one and it's left you a little dry and parched. Maybe there's an addiction to substitutes for the real life. You've been leaning heavily on the addictions rather than on what is really real. Maybe it's just forgetting. Forgetting what life was intended by God to be, what we hoped it would be. I bet you every single one of us, the moment in which we had a first experience of God, the moment when we first responded to God, we had a dream that it would be full. Then after a while, we settle into something that feels kind of minimal. And maybe it's still Christian, and maybe it's still connected, but it's not overflowing like that. Whatever the cause, there's an awesome invitation for us today. An invitation that is given to us every single day to be full, to live fully, to overflow like Jesus with grace and truth. But how? one thing to simply declare it. If you're in Christ, you're full. Another to live as if it's actually full. And i told you my own struggles with that. So how do we do that? How full are you today? And if there's anything less than that, then let's unpack this a bit and see how we can apply this gospel truth to each of our own lives. I've got a couple principles here for you that may help us make this practical. First, we're almost always full of it. <laughs> The question is merely what the it is. (laughs) For example, we all know people, for instance, who are full of anger. It's seething under the surface, even when they have it under control. And it erupts occasionally. It hurts them and others. I mention that one because there's an awful lot of anger in the world these days. And I tell you, it pushes on my button sometimes and I feel that kind of building inside of me because the world is not just. I still can't say that word. (laughs) Uh, Righteous. And neither am I. And sometimes the anger button gets pushed. And as I said, there's an awful lot in our world these days It's erupting more and more often, especially in the disrespectful and demeaning ways that we treat each other and Talk about each other, especially on things like politics and religion. Uh, Aren't we tired of that by now? Or maybe we're full of unresolved grief for pain. All of us have that in life, and it's it's there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with anger, at least to start, unless it fills us up and there's not room for anything else. Grief happens. Pain happens. But if it fills us up to the point that it colors every experience we have, even those that would otherwise be full of joy, maybe there's an invitation to put that in its proper place and tend to it when we need to tend to it, but be filled with something else. Or maybe it's lust. And I I mean here the larger meaning of that word. That word has taken on a much more narrow meaning in recent years. The larger meaning is an an inordinate desire for something or someone and then this research, the reluctant searcher demand for that. We've got to have it. And we get filled up with the desire for something that's not going to satisfy us. Or maybe we're, maybe we're full of ourselves. <laughs> we use that phrase a lot, right? Boy, he's really full of himself. I was describing a couple of people last night that uh, I, I hear in the media, and uh, I've mentioned one, he, he really likes himself. Uh, (laughs) and that's not necessarily a bad thing but when he comes across pretty strong it's like hey he's full of himself narcissism is another increasingly common phenomenon in our selfish age people fill themselves up with their own ego and agenda often to hide some kind of pain or grief or something else that's underneath Sometimes we fill ourselves up with things that are very sociably acceptable activities and pursuits. We get obsessed about a relationship or a hobby or a work or sports or something. Maybe we're seeking approval and admiration, maybe even adoration from others. And we get a temporary feeling of fullness when they give it to us. I'm an Enneagram 3. If you compliment me, I'll love you for at least 20 minutes. (laughs) It feels good. It fills me up. Then 20 minutes later, it's like that moment at the, wow, I'm going to get thirsty again and be looking for somebody else. You see, if, I, if I'm not living a healthy life, I'm just going to be going around through my life looking for that from somebody because thinking that that will fill me, and it doesn't last very long. Maybe we would slap a veneer of Jesus on our desire. The churches are full of people seeking attention or control, and they do that by being religious. But that kind of falsefulness is still masking the same fear of emptiness. That maybe there's nothing in there. Maybe it's something else entirely. And, and likely it's not all one thing, but a combination of things. All of us are kind of a mixed bag when we if we take, peel back the layers and look at what's really at our core. Maybe that explains why someone can seem so full of grace and goodness in one moment and an absolute jerk in another. <laughs> not that I know anything about that. <laughs> See, we're almost always full, but without feeling filled. And this is the paradox, that we actually feel empty when we're full of anything else but the life God gave us. And we can load up our schedules, we can fill our bodies with food and drink, we can party like there's no tomorrow, we can medicate ourselves into oblivion, and all that filling won't make us truly full, just foolish. And we'll still feel empty. And the problem is that we're often unconscious about all this feeling, at least for a while. Until something happens, life intervenes and makes us miserable, and we start wondering what's wrong. Which, by the way, can be a fantastic grace, which is why we're careful how we pray about such moments around here. Something happens and suddenly you get miserable. We don't necessarily, even though we love one another, we don't necessarily pray automatically that that thing that has interrupted will go away. Because often it contains within it this fantastic grace to make us wake up, to become conscious, to see what's really going on. Or maybe we get someone in our life who loves us enough to tell the truth about ourselves. Which may hurt like hell, <laughs> but is an absolutely fantastic grace. You see, the point of waking up and seeing these false feelings is to be saved from them. I don't point out that list that I gave you to thump you or anybody else over the head, myself included. The point is not to condemn but to develop some compassion for yourself and for others. Because I'm describing all of us. We all fall for this. We all have. We've all chosen something else to fill ourselves up with before we met Christ or for a lot of Christians, even since. And the proper response when we wake up to this or see someone else waking up to it is to love, not the thump. Which, to be honest, is something we're almost always reluctant to receive. Something has happened to us, all of us, that convinces us that fullness is to be found in X, Y, or Z, rather than the love of God. And so that's, that's where we start, with, um, you know, losing it, when we re- re- resist or reject the love of God. So the first step is to begin to love yourself and begin to allow God to love you and begin to love others that you see struggling with the same emptiness and the same substitutes and the same acting out and the same crises that wake us up. Love is the way out. Love is the path of fullness. Love is the way of transformation. It's always been so, and this is gospel. It is not judgment that leads us back to God and filling, back to filling. It is love. As I said, that love will almost be certainly met with resistance. I I know I don't like it when someone calls me out, even in love. Tells me what I don't want to see about myself. I bet you're not overly fond of it either. But here's the thing. That's what got us into the situation to begin with, resisting the love of God. And if we don't ever see what we're filling our lives with and acknowledge that it's not working that we're not living lives full of grace and truth, that people aren't seeing the spirit of work in us, that the, then the years go by without having experience what Jesus called life to the full, you know what's going to happen? Then we're just going to waste our time here on earth. And that would be a great deep shame. That would be a heartbreak, actually. We get to the end, and what's said at the eulogy is how much we loved our hobbies and our sports, but... Nothing about the fullness of our heart, the fullness of our generosity, the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth and love that is in our life. And this is why Jesus didn't just give a pep talk about it. There's a lot of people, by the way, who will do that. Live your best life now! The motivational speakers are not necessarily wrong. They're just incomplete. The problem of an unfilled life is not solved by sucking it up and resolving to do better. It requires an intervention. And Jesus made one for us. What did he do? Well, Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians, he uses an utterly fascinating word to describe what Jesus did, how Jesus intervened for us. He says, Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He wasn't filled up with God so that he could, you know, hurl thunderbolts bolts at, uh, at, at the world just to have fun. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And where the translators in this particular translation use the phrase, he made himself nothing, Greek, Paul uses the Greek word kenosis, the fabulous word, which is best rendered as he emptied himself. In other words, he turned the cup upside down and poured himself out. And if you think about that for a moment, it's pretty awesome. Christ was full, full of everything that God is, including his divine rights and privileges, his power and his authority, and he purposely, intentionally emptied himself of it to become one with us in our own feelings of emptiness. The second person of the Trinity shucked off that divine life for a while and took on our human life and then showed us as a human how to be truly full, how to be filled up in this world here and now, not just in the sky by and by. And how did he do that? He lived a life that was constantly one with the Father as a human being, not relying on his divinity, as a human being drawing from the infinite fullness of God And then he invites us to do the same. His life, his death, his resurrection is the intervention that makes that fullness available to all of us. We follow him into it. We do what he has done. We do what he still does. We join our hearts and our minds to his. We join our spirits to his spirit. And good news, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Be filled with the spirit, there it is. There it is, that's how it happens. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's nothing else we need. Literally nothing else we need. And it's hard to believe this. It's hard to remember that sometimes. So God has also given us some wisdom on how we can remain full of, resist the temptation to be full of other things. And this is where the pep talk fits in. There is some good encouragement here once we realize that this is an intervention that has been done for us. And the spirit has been given to us already. It comes down ultimately to what, how, and what we think about. We almost always need a change of mind. Now, let's not get this wrong. We say here all the time that simply assenting to ideas doesn't transform us. It's not like we give you a creed and say, believe these doctrines, and suddenly you're going to become full of the spirit. No, that that by itself, that doesn't do it. But our minds... Or better yet, a better translation of the Greek word there is the way that we perceive things. That really does matter. That's why Paul told the Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think the way they do. Don't live the way they do. It's not working. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the changing of your mind, by the, by the introduction of a new perspective. And that's why he told the Philippians to rejoice always. Wow, that can change your perspective, right? If in everything that happens in this world gone nuts, we could still find ourselves rejoicing. Where's Sean at? He was singing this morning, sitting in his wheelchair after some time in the hospital. I was thinking about how God's been so, so, so good and leading us to sing that together. See that, that, That's what it looks like. He also tells the Philippians, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I understand Rick shared this scripture last week. Maybe the Spirit wants us to pay attention to it. What we look at, what we think about, what we choose to believe becomes our reality. When we choose anger, we see reasons for anger. When we choose grief, we find reasons to remain stuck in it. When we choose lust, we see temptations everywhere. When we choose self, we find everyone and everything else unsatisfactory because they're not serving us enough. When we see people as objects to be used, we feel our own selves being used. To some degree, we create our own experience of life. So when we turn our eyes on Jesus when we choose to trust this gospel, when we get tired of everything else that has just made us feel empty and miserable, when we choose to hear the Father saying to us some version of what he said to me repeatedly in my open convertible last month. I'm heading across the open fields of Alabama. Tony, you are seen. You are loved. You are blessed we choose to hear that and we choose to trust it for ourselves perhaps enough to say I am seen I am loved I am blessed or whatever version of that that you need to hear or are hearing from God maybe we'll open our hearts enough to be filled with what we wanted all along without even fully realizing that that's what we wanted this is life We will feel that life overflowing in us and through us out to the world to assure others that this abundance is really, really true after all. And already true for us. And guess what you need to do in order to have that experience, in order to have that feeling? Nothing. (laughs) You don't have to pray some magic prayer to be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to make a deal with God. You don't have to be the most... Moral person in the room. You don't have to work at it at all. It's grace, full of grace. It's gift, it's gospel. It's done, it's yours. What do you do? Receive it and live like it's true. So I've come back from my sabbatical today to tell you this good news, this part of the gospel, because I'm living in it again. And to invite you to join me in this grand adventure. So, as we close things up here, let me ask you again how full are you today? Or how empty? How hungry are you? How thirsty for righteousness? How long has it been since you feasted at the table of the Lord's goodness? How long has it been since you have felt your head anointed with his loving oil? How long has it been since you've had that experience of your cup overflowing? If it's been a while, or even a day, why not respond to his loving invitation? I like the way the scripture words this invitation. This is awesome. Listen, are you thirsty for more? Come to the refreshing waters and drink. Drink living water he's talking about there even if you have no money come come buy and eat there's enough for everyone yes come and buy all the wine and milk you desire it won't cost a thing why spend your hard earned money on something that can't nourish you or work so hard for something that can't satisfy so listen carefully to me and you enjoy a sumptuous feast delighting in the finest of food attention. Come closer to me and hear so that your total being may flourish. Flourish. So one more question for you. How do you respond? There is the invitation. How do you respond here and now, not just in the sweet by and by? I found a prayer online that I adapted a little bit that I thought might constitute a response that some of us might identify with. So I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you find that the words of it are resonating with you, then you say amen along with me, out loud or quietly, whatever you want. And if it isn't your words, then you have your own. Or maybe it's not words, and maybe it's just a response to your heart, to the love of God that says I've got, I've got some fullness to give you. I've got some living water to give you. Can I pour it in? Let's pray together. God, I know I've been born of the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, and am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's why asking you for a fresh work of the Spirit in my life is an easy thing to do. You are quintessential generosity, the most big-hearted and open-handed Father imaginable. You won't give us snakes and scorpions when we ask, but grace, and more grace, and still more grace. So I ask for a fresh stirring and filling of your Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of my heart to see more of Jesus. Dazzle me with his delights. Buckle my knees with his beauty. Put me face down on the ground with a renewed awareness of his glory and grace. Grant me jaw-dropping wonder and awe. Grant me power with all your children to know the height, the depth, the width, and breadth of Jesus' love. A love that surpasses knowledge. The only love that is better than life. The only love that is enough. May the love of Jesus be the most compelling and propelling force in my life, turning my whining into worship, my timidity into fearless faith, my small dreams into a kingdom vision, and my hesitation to risk much into a life of gospel adventures. Amen. I'll probably post that to Facebook if anybody's interested in catching that one later. May that be true for you today. May it be true for me. May it be true for all of us. And not just today because we've been in church. Tomorrow morning, it's Monday. Thank God for Mondays. Rarely. No, we thank God for Mondays. (laughs) And tomorrow morning, let us wake up with that same desire that God would fill us with everything necessary so that we can be alive. Deal? Deal? Go with that blessing. Go with that fullness. Thank you, friends.